Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and due to your incredible support, the original My Slippers are almost completely sold out. As a special thank you, I am launching my brand new all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98. This is a limited-time offer, so go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code, and you'll get all my new footwear for as low as $29.98. My all-season slippers are made with my exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. They're finished with a breathable fabric so you can wear them all year round. And my new slides and sandals are made with patented impact gel, making them ultra comfortable and extremely durable. I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable footwear you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen now to get your very own all-season slippers, slides, and sandals for as low as $29.98 with your promo code. This is an introductory offer and it won't last long, so order now. It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply, refuse to show vaccine passports, refuse to wear a mask, refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. Broadcasting live and live to Patriot Control of America. You're listening to the Patriot Party Podcast. Now on the show, the chair is against the wall. The muskrat jumps over the berm. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more.
right, fuckers, to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, my much better beloved, better half. V. Lynn. Hello, Patriots. Yeah, it's a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, but actually, um, and normally with a, a song, like a, a song that length, we cut it early. But I told Mick to let it play. Um, because, well, here's the reason why. We're going to talk about PTSD tonight. Mm. And um, I'll tell you, music is an integral part of PTSD therapy. No, it I can, think it is. It can be, yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, anyway, I am really, really excited. Um, I met this guy on Instagram. You know, you guys know, we, we sometimes we bring on, you know, the big names, the big lawyers and the doctors and woohoo that go on all the podcasts. But I like to bring on people that you're not going to see other places, you know, like, uh, or you might only see one or two other places. So um I met this, he reached out to me on Instagram because uh, he's he's just put out this book. In fact, I put the link to the pre-order and the sub stack that I put out earlier today and uh, about treating PTSD in a non-traditional way. So anyway. I'm looking forward to talking to yes, him about it. Very much so. So we are very excited to bring Daniel Diaz into, onto the show, author of the book, Who Would Have Thought? That's coming out yes. in uh, the next couple of days, right? Yes, guys. How are you doing, my friends? Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. Thank it's you so much. Our pleasure. So tell mm -hmm. us about yourself. So I'm uh, I'm Daniel Diaz. I'm my friends. I spent eight years here in Orlando, Florida. I work as a server, as a bartender, and I learned about scuba diving. I learned about, you know, going to nature and finding myself asking questions about the society we live in. And I start realizing that through the people that I met in my journey, that um, there are some issues in society today that are not being addressed. And, you know, I thought I could maybe write a book because I wanted to read a book that was not out there. And I was like, man, nobody's going to ever write this book because today's book, they're all very, you know, the 10 steps to happiness, you know, oh, how to actually do this and that following simple tricky step that's going to get you there there's not a book out you know nowadays that you're going to be like you're going to read the book and then you're going to put the book down and you're going to be like oh my god thank god somebody wrote this book you know i never it's been a long time since i had this feeling so i figure i myself might write this book you know so i wrote who would have thought with the um the hope to reconnect people to their higher self, you know, true. I love it how you put it, unusual way of dealing because PTSD, we all know, uh, is it was only related to people coming back from war and everything. But I think nowadays we can have a clear picture that society as a whole suffers from PTSD. You know? I, I, I agree wholeheartedly because mm -hmm. I, I say, I tell, I tell Mick this a lot because he's gone through so much. He's gone through so much trauma and, and, you know, in war, in, in battle. And, um, yeah. and then Daniel sent me a couple chapters, two chapters of the book, um, that I read this afternoon. And, uh, it's the second chapter, especially when Frank is talking about when he's coming to terms, realizing that he has PTSD and, and you see his anger, his, you know, the, the mood swings, the, the anger and everyone around him sees what's going on with him. 
but yes. he can't recognize it in himself until he has this, he comes to a breaking point and he has this meltdown. He has a, a, a trigger event as it were. Um, yeah, exactly. And there's so many people out there that you're right. They think that it's, it's only associated with, with war and battle. And he was a Marine, yeah. um, but everybody's trauma is, is different. Something that might traumatize one person will have no effect on someone else. Exactly. And vice versa, you know, everybody handles things differently. And honestly, people are so coddled these days. Like the way we, the way that kids have been raised in the last couple of generations, like, like you stub your toe and you have PTSD because they, right. they don't know how to deal with anything. They've been so coddled is the only word I can think of for it. You know, right, they're, yes. they're, the helicopter parents have just been completely the downfall of, of the last couple of generations. And unfortunately PTSD, I think is seriously on the rise. Um, so a, a book like this is, is excellent. And it's not, it's not real fancy writing people. It's not real flowery. It's real. It's raw. It's like people having a conversation. So yeah, it's, it was good. Thank you. Love. Uh, that was the only reason because I want, you know, if you consider yourself someone that doesn't like to read, uh, I would say to you that you might be reading the wrong kind of books for you. So I want to write something that was very, you know, laid back style where you would read and from two to two pages, you're going to have a laugh. You know, I'm going to talk about some serious stuff, but also you're going to have, you know, a nice, fun environment. Also, you're going to relate to the character because the character of the uh, the narrator of the my novel, which is based on my own experience working in restaurants, and I came across a lot of people from the military, which surprised me about, you know, their experience and how they're treated nowadays uh, coming back from war. You know, uh, the U.S. military, uh, we, have, we have a PTSD rate of 25%. Uh, one... Uh, one in each four people, they have PTSD, which is odd because only 10% of the military actually engages in combat. So uh, I, I was asking this question to these guys and Frank, which is my character in the book, because uh, the narrator, he realizes he has PTSD through meeting Frank, which is the ex-Marine in the novel that he... Um, so Frank has a tragic story to him uh, in the book. That's very well uh, explained mm -hmm. when you meet him. Uh, so he went to Afghanistan and he was considered a war hero because he was uh, watching, he was patrolling and he was making security and uh, he saw these kids coming and he's, he noted because these kids were carrying pots of water above their heads to go to their village or whatever. Uh, he noticed something odd about one kid, and he decided in a you know split of a second there was a danger, and he shot it. And uh, 10, 30 seconds later, a huge bomb exploded. Boom! So he basically saved his headquarters doing this, and he was considered a war hero. He has pictures of himself in magazine. Of course, Frank is a uh, you know is composed of a lot of people that I met. So he's actually, I think, about five ex-military guys that I met, and I put it, I put them all together. So I have this compelling character in one in one person. Mm -hmm. So he he has pictures of himself in magazines and stuff. But the tragic of it is, he got caught with cocaine inside the headquarters a week before he was set to to retire. 
So at zero tolerance, he lost all his benefits. And because of that, he was forced to find a different treatment, the, uh, running away from the pharmaceuticals that would come his way with the PTSD treatment that he would get from the military, from the assistants. But because he didn't get that, it was actually a blessing in disguise because he was now allowed to go look for something else. <clears throat> and he, he found in cannabis a way out of it. You know, when, so I love how you got it because exactly my uh, intention when I wrote that character was for you to notice that he was about to have a breakdown at any moment. And I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but he comes back in the end, a different man, and also showing myself, the, the narrator of the novel, a way out of the PTSD through a better, you know, not logical way, so to say. It, I tell you, it has a, a lot of parallels to, to our own story, to Mick's story, especially. Um, he, he never got caught with cocaine in the barracks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just never got he caught. never got I caught. Was lucky. Lucky him. Right, right. Um, I was good at what I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and, I, and I, I don't allow cocaine in my house. That's, that's one I would stay away from. Um, but, uh, but cannabis and, and psilocybin mushrooms, um, you know, they've, they've been incredibly effective yes. and it's, gotten him it's gotten mick off of all the big pharma medications and he actually he has a a similar story to to frank mm -hmm. um to the degree with with a kid there was a a time when um he was in a firefight and uh a, he just he saw you know trace was coming at him and fired back and i don't know there's a kid on the other end but then there's another one where he he saved a kid and got shot in the back with an AK-47 because the guy was gonna shoot the kid and he you know grabbed the kid and turned around because the kids are our son's age you know does one make up for the other you know those are these are the questions that we we deal with all the time right, um, yeah. the things that trigger that can trigger memories uh, it can be anything it can be a commercial or a movie there are certain movies we don't watch well yeah that's <laughs> that's for real but. Uh, yeah smells smells are horrible they're the worst yeah out of yeah else out of everything else uh the smell if i even if i catch a whiff of something i smelled at a bad point it comes out in the brain right yeah the smell yeah, I, first actually mick he looks like you know one of the marines that i uh what part in the military you were in frank uh mick? i was in the army the army. marine army uh, army okay yeah because yeah, you but that recruiting office was closed the day he signed up i didn't really oh. have a choice to sign up the police oh, that was with me told me that i had a choice it's either this office or that office uh-huh so well, you 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 I came back in the name and then <laughs> yes so you came back and you met now you're you know oh, no, i knew her well yeah, before no, that we we grew up together so and that's the other the other thing that okay people mm -hmm. you know people don't understand about getting through PTSD is you have to, you really have to have a solid relationship. It, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it can be a friendship. It can be a wife, a child, a child or children are great for, for PTSD. Wow. If, if they understand what's going on. Um, but they can't feel alone and the, they're, 
the person, their support person has to understand what they're going through. I mean, you can never understand what they're really going through. But like I, when Mick flips out, which is much rarer now, but it's happened before. um, I've had to learn to calm my own self because, you know, when you get confronted with anger, for me, my natural instinct is to get angry back because I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not a pushover. (laughs) So, um, but I've had to learn to, to calm my own emotions because I've noticed, especially people that have gone through serious trauma tend to be more empathic. So they pick up on the emotions of other people. So if they're surrounded by angry people, they get more angry and they don't even know where it's coming from. And it's, it's not always coming from inside. So I've had to learn to, to emanate calm, you know, calmness and, and grace and ease um, cause the couple times that I've, I've just gotten incredibly pissed off and pushed his buttons. I, I mean, one time I actually almost gave him a heart attack. Like he passed out and I'd call the EMTs no. and yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, so, uh, because it, it can really, it can really be a life or death, death thing. I mean, yeah, gets into that, that rage, that, that fugue state, that memory trance, um, it can be so traumatic on the body that they can literally have a heart attack or a stroke or an aneurysm or, or something like that. So Yeah, the mind makes it so real that your body starts having physiological responses. And uh, what I love that you mentioned is because, you know, when you're dealing with people with PTSD, the one thing they're missing the most is a sense of belonging to something. You know, we are human beings that we need to belong to something. We need a reason to exist. We need a purpose to follow. And when you're dealing with PTSD, it's just like you live in this narrow frame of mind that you just lock yourself into it. And to get out of it, it's very complicated because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of addressing the issues daily because also with PTSD, uh, I suffer from PTSD, my, my, but my PTSD is completely different because what I realize now is if you if you grew up in a house that your dad used to yell at you, you know, and then you, everything you did at the house, you, you, you're panicked because at any moment your dad might yell. And then 10 years later, you go to a supermarket and somebody is yelling. That's a trigger for you. And your mind start acting in a locked position, the same locked position you were when your dad was yelling at you when you were 10 years old. Now you go back to the same locked position. So instead of acting, you matter of fact are reacting based on past events. The way to like reconnect ourselves to this is through breathing patterns, you know, showing because there is also scientists are now realizing. So nowadays we can do reverse PTSD, you know, Reverse PTSD goes like, uh, so something that is so traumatic. Also, if you have an equal experience of bliss on the other side, it can definitely, you know, overload uh, the other bad experience. So what I met, I, I started doing scuba diving here. And I that's where I met a lot of military people, you know, and all of them talk about PTSD, you know. All of them uh, are subjects of, you know, rage out of nowhere, punching wall. I think uh, 
PTSD, for what I heard, you know, from people that did it, you know, went to war and everything. Going to crowded places is the worst. You know, if you go to a market, a supermarket, or if you go to a mall, that's like when your mind really blows up, right? Because you're literally there and you see people, let's say somebody's just walking behind you real fast because they're in a rush. Your brain doesn't know how to interpret that, right? So he wants to protect you. And the experience you have is somebody trying to come and do something bad for you. So you're going to lock yourself again in that position. And it's a very slow process. What I find that is the most, you know, dangerous is because PTSD, it takes a long time for you to show your body that you're safe now. And if you go to pharmaceuticals, which is the main option, is something that you're not going to realize what you're doing. You know, you're not, you're not evolving. You're not getting out of the situation. You're not healing your PTSD. You're not getting touched with your feel. You're just numbing. Yeah. You're just numbing yourself. And the military... They all talked to me about it. They all said, he showed to me, uh, this guy, he showed to me one day, he takes a handful of pills. It's about like 15 pills, man. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. 15 pills. When he wakes up, yeah. he wakes up first thing in the morning, all of those pills. And then he takes all of them. And then I asked what it was. Basically, like, and his answer shocked me because it's basically one, one pill is to cancel the other. Yes. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Absolutely. Everything is for a side effect of the initial pill. I took two of those a day. Yeah. He's one a, in the he's, morning and one at night. He used to take 24 different pills every single day. Wow. And you smoke also? No. N now he does. He didn't then. Oh. No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing any drugs. No. I wasn't on any. Oh. Except alcohol, okay. which didn't mm. really help. Which didn't help anything. No. But what yeah. happened was, is so the, the, the heart thing happened, the heart fart happened, mm. and uh, I went back to the uh, doctors and the doctor sent me to the VA. The VA turned around and the doctor that I saw at the VA, he said, you know, I'm looking at all these drugs. He's, he's like, what if I could get you off of all of these drugs with one drug? I oh. said, what, what drug is this? He said, well, have you ever smoked marijuana? Mm. The I doctor said, said that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have a prescription because here in Georgia, it's illegal. It's, so, it's not legal, but it is through the VA, even <laughs> though it's not federally legal, which is just the craziest it's thing ever. Shit. But because he goes to the VA in South Carolina, because right over the border, it's legal there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just craziness. So I go yeah. in, I show my card once every three weeks. I get, what, a, quarter, a, half, a, a half ounce no, um, a half or a half, a half a pound. Yeah. And oh, it's okay. all Mexican dirt weed. Yeah. They, they work sucks. with the cartels. It's terrible. It's, Mexican? Oh yeah. Oh, it's it's like the shit that you that we used to get in high school. You know, like the brown shit with all the seasons. What? Oh yeah. The shit coming out of the VA is ridiculous. So thank God I'm married to the biggest pothead in the state of Georgia. Oh yes, look at it. Knows where to get the good shit. I do. She knows. I know where I can sell that shit at. I'm not saying I do, but if I were, I know. You know where to go. And I might, may or may not have done that one or two times and may or may not have given her the money to go and purchase some good shit. Anyway. And it all works. Uh, that was, that was the start that got me off of pretty much all the pain medicine and everything else I was on. Blood, blood pressure. So he was on, he was on, um, now he had brain surgery, mind you, in the oh. middle of his term of service. They removed a portion yeah. of his brain. It's all kind of metal. Up and here. then um, they. Uh, really? Yeah. 
It's all mental. Um, and then and then he stayed in. He was actually the, the first soldier to reenlist at a Walter Reed medical hold company, and he stayed in and um, kept deploying and went like super special forces and um, ended up deploying a whole bunch more after his brain surgery, which which was good and bad because with the brain surgery, he lost all of his memories from the first 12 years of service. Not really. Oh, wow. no, I lost like, it was very specific. It was between, it was but right before I joined he, to. He lost a lot of the bad shit. Yeah. So basically when you erase all those memories, then your PTSD is gone because you have no trigger. Um, but then it started all over again because he kept deploying and then, and he was with special forces and all kinds of other bad shit happened. And so then we, we had to deal with a whole fresh set of it. Um, but there's two things that you said there that really, I really like. Um, yeah. First off, the idea of, of uh, canceling out the negative with the positive. And here's the question. If you don't experience that level of negative, can you ever truly experience that level of positive? Damn. Oh, my God. I'm going to use that later. You steal it, steal it, take it. But then I use that. Wow, that was a beautiful quote, a beautiful question. So I yes. have, I have a great friend. Um, his name is uh, well, I, Chris is a really good friend of mine. Uh, we spent a lot of time in a lot of bad shit. Anyway, uh -huh. kind of like your scenario with Frank. He, it wasn't a controlled substance though. It was other things that he got in trouble for. But he kind of ended up in the same boat. Um, he was dealing with a lot of shit. He was bad. I like. I thought. I thought I was going to read about him in the newspaper somewhere because I didn't think he was going to pull through. Yes. And a friend of his, uh, he lives in Southern California. A friend of him, his, directed him to Doctor Sorella in Tijuana, Mexico. Hmm. Doctor Sorella does a. what the fuck is it psilocybin and dmt dmt max retreat mm -hmm. where you have to go you go live there for oh, two it's months not, no it's not it's not dmt it's um maybe it, it's, ayahuasca it's yes, Kiowa, ayahuasca, ayahuasca it's dmt it. it's yep. mdma and it's psilocybin yeah and mm -hmm. you basically go there for two months and you stay mm -hmm. in this place and they basically feed you nothing but mushrooms for two wow. months with some mdma and um, some DMT and some other stuff. And they basically bring you all the way back to birth. They put you in a, in a, what they call a, it's a warm tub. He said it was like a weird warm tub. They even put a blanket over the tub mm. and he laid in this warm water. He was almost completely submerged. He had headphones on and say, um, what, how it's a deprivation. Yes. It's a sensory deprivation. So, yeah, exactly. And they had done nothing but fed him mushrooms before they did it to him. And at first he was, he was freaked out, but then when everything kicked in, when he came out of there two months later, it was the same guy who joined the military. He was the same dude. I said, where did you go? And what happened? It was brand new. He would no, he was the same guy before, before he joined the, the military. He was like, he, he was it, before. It was like, a whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he was a brand new guy, right? Like yeah. just. He had no. no none of the fear. He could go in crowds. He could be around people. He he didn't have the issues. None of the anger. None of the problems. None of the problems he was having before. 
No. Guys, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my big concern with this thing that we, you know, we all because it's a reason that you go out and say like, oh, this guy, no, he he goes like this uh, because he came back from war and uh, he, you know it, it traumatizes you, right? And then you just be like this, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, because when I have these friends, right, and then we would go drinking and etc., they would be slightly drunk. And they would start like drilling, you know. I had this, you know, the ex marine, my friend. He he would be like be a little drunk, and then he would be like, "Hey, this is how they throw us out of the helicopter." And then he would roll on the floor. He wanted to show me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, you know, he's literally uh, this weight on his mind so much that I was like, what is it about this that is so hard for you to let it go, right? Because we humans." We are made to evolve and then we are, you know, we are built to overcome hardship. If that wasn't true, we, we would not be what we what we are today. You know, we not have evolved. So there is something like the question for me was like, what is it that is not just trauma? It's something that it literally it, it dooms you in life, like, right? If you don't go out of your way and find a treatment like this where you get sensory deprivation, where you open your mind to a new way of dealing with this disease and then you have an answer because all the society offers right now it seems just to you uh, to let you you know be no, take more pills until you yeah pills. yeah that's it why yes i mean we can go back and talk about rockefeller and how he controlled the pharmaceuticals and how to this day we still have this going on because it's all about money right it's not about uh, it's not about because I mean for me, what really fucks me up, you know, in anger is to think that there are literally some people out there that they think that we have a loving and caring government. And they <laughs> they wanna and they wanna look out for you. They don't let you right? Isn't that crazy? I mean, they don't let you use those medicines because they have your best interest in mind. Wow, what That's the fuck? Crazy. I don't you know the other yeah, thing they yeah, don't yeah, let they, us use exactly. it exactly. The other oh. thing you said that that really that caught my my attention. Um, the second thing was that when you said that they guys with PTSD really feel like they don't belong anywhere, and yeah. you know I think that's why why we see why we see it more in the military guys and especially the retired guys um, or you know guys that have gotten out uh, versus civilians because. Most military guys go in at 18. And when you're 18, I'm sorry, I don't care what they say. You're still, you're molded. You're being molded, right? You're you're not an adult. You're not set in your own mind yet. The military is molding you into what they want you to be. And it's not just you. It's it's all the, the people around you all at the same time. They are molding all of you into one cohesive unit, right? Uh, Like the Borg almost, right? And then all of a sudden you're out and, and you're, you're just cast out. Like you're, you're adrift in a sea, hanging on to to a little piece of thankless, right? Thankless. No, no, no. I agree. And I disagree because the retired guys know you don't see it out of retired guys because one of the things the military is not very good at it. But they've figured out along the road, if we can soften the transition period from the time you retire, because that's why you start six months ahead of your end date. And yet when you got out, you 
you sought so desperately to find that sense of brotherhood that you had in the military. And I, I mean, you, he looked in the police department. He didn't find it there. He looked in the fire department. He found it a little bit there, but not nearly to the level that it was in the military. I think he's found it more installing garage doors now with your team of guys that you've kind of, you know, built up and, and worked up with together since they started this company and worked it up from the ground. Um, then, then anywhere else, than any, any of these other systems that have almost been, you know, put in place to, to put the military into because they're, it's, it's not the same, but that I feel like, so you do see it in the retired guys. That's why you have guys killing themselves in the, in the parking lot of the VA waiting for, for help, for treatment, for something, you know, that's why, I mean, 22 a day, so, 22 veterans actually, it's a day. Now, but, and now it is, it's like 24. But one of the, the other things though, with that though, when, when you look at that, right. You, you talk about those guys that were taking their lives in front of the VA. They were doing that for a number of reasons, not just, you know, the ones for me, the ones that I always thought were worse, way worse. Like for instance, I told you about the kid. Mm-hmm. When I was at, when I finally got out of the hospital and I could stand on my own two feet and they made me show up to formations and shit. And I was like, really, you guys are going to make me do this shit. Okay, fine. So I had to get up in the morning, shave and shit and go into work. Yeah. And then they wouldn't give you a fucking NCOER for it. So it didn't count. Yeah. So, Even though you showed up in formation, those dickheads. But I, I would show up in these other, you know, Walter Reed was not prepared for what happened in Iraq. They were not prepared. There was 984 of us there. There was a grand total of eight counselors for 984 of us. They were not prepared for what happened. Um, They brought in a huge staff. After you saw the guy go in front of Capitol Hill, he wore the purple heart patch over his eye because he got shot in the eyeball. He had been there for four years at that point. He was well past healed. Um, But there was a kid that sat next to me every formation that I was in. And he sat next to me. He was 19 years old. He was missing both of his legs, lost both of his legs in the IED strike. He lost his left arm at the shoulder in in the IED strike. He had a piece of shrapnel cut across his right arm and cut the tendons down to the bone. So his hand didn't work anymore. Mm. So now he has no limbs, essentially. He's basically missing all four limbs. He's 19 years old. All he knew was the army. You ask a kid like that, what are you going to go do? Well, what can I go do? The only thing I ever knew was the army. And then he's so young. Yeah. He's that for me, it was okay. 21 years. Yeah. 21 years. It's a long time, but you know, by the time it was getting time for me to get it, I was ready to go. I was like, nah. I don't agree with any of this shit anymore. I, I mean, used he to, wanted to I do used one to more see, tour just to kill a couple more people, but I told him no. He got I, I used to see eye to eye with the government. I used to say, yep, what we're doing is the right thing. And then it got further and further adrift from where it was. And I was like, wait a minute. Well, this I mean, is you not- were literally catching like the government's telling lies on TV and you're seeing the truth on paper you know, that you couldn't disclose because you, because, you know, fell under your security clearance and Mm. you still can't disclose a lot of it. Either Mm. can I, but I mean, that in and of itself is a serious red pill moment. I mean, today, so if you look at it, how the military acts, right? Because what you said is 
It's basically what happens to everybody that goes, and I notice this especially whenever everybody comes back. So the military he recreates uh, or past, you know, our ancestors' um, ideal of life in a very because we evolve in small tribes, right? We all evolve, you know, working for the group and the common good of the group. And what the military does, he puts together like this 30, 40 people together, groups groups of people of 30 to 40, max 50 people. So that recreates our, you know, ancestors' past to a, uh, to a very high level. So what you experience in combat is you go there and you have these guys that you like depend on it. And you have this connection with them because you need each other. I mean, you don't treat them with contempt because your life depends on them. Doesn't matter if you like him or not. Yeah, it's the so, brotherhood. It's that's the brotherhood, right? Uh, so you go there and you have this experience, and then guess what, Mick? It's time to go back. Let's go back to home. Let's go back home. Let's show them some love. You get here, nobody really recognizes what you did, and you're just ostracized in society, right? Because now uh, you came back from war and people look at you, oh, wow, he went some, through some rough shit, look at him. And that's like the response that everybody gets because what, it, so you're saying that with the military, for me, what shocks me, I'm Brazilian, right? I was born in Brazil and I came to America very young. But when I see a military guy loving, uh, immigrant, right? It happens like this. Uh, military, so those guys, home, whoever comes back from war, they meet these ladies from another country and they fall in love like in two seconds. Why? Because she shows him how much, you know, oh, I, I, I you know, you went through all this, but now I'm going to show you a home because that's what, what they're looking for. They're looking in, in that way to belong to a household or to a purpose, you know, they, they come back, they don't have the purpose of fighting anymore. What's they going to do? What, what is it now for them? You know, it's a wife, it's a, you know, it's a work that they're going to do. They need a purpose because we have to understand about this is this that happens in the military, you know, with people from coming back from war, it happens. It is happening in a larger degree all across society all over society in general, with the social media we have nowadays, with their attention span, everybody's attention span, if you don't talk in five seconds, if you don't get me interested in five seconds, I'm not gonna listen anymore, right? Because that's the TikTok uh, generation. And we have these values going down. And plus, PTSD now, in the long years, I mean, there are levels to it. You can suffer from PTSD to a larger, smaller degree. But now you're getting PTSD from social media, and that's just crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, people people are anxious. People are going to the psychiatrist because, oh, my God, I, I, I posted. And they're getting anxiety about a post that doesn't get likes. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, so what is it now that is going to get us out of this? You know, so there is a situation that because, listen, man, if you go back and you listen to the great talkers, you know, Tim and Tilleri, the guys that speak about the pro, they're pro psychedelics. The only solution we have is to commune with one another, you know? So how are we going to do this if we have so many differences? 
we get we can take psychedelics to rush the process or we can meditate and meditate and meditate and get our minds right which is going to take forever you know so whenever you get a, you get like say you get nick have you ever done mushrooms right? oh oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> he does it every day um every day yeah every day uh, we, have a, uh, we have a psilocybin tincture. Yeah, psilocybin oh my God. tincture that he... You guys he got the good shit. Every day. I, I take this every day. I live by this because if I don't, my boss wants to kill me. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, that would be me. So, no, um, no, no, not you. My <laughs> boss, the guy I work, I work yes, for, he too. wants to kill me. Well, I don't care oh, about well. him. Um, but, yes. but it mellows me out. It calms me down. It's, how, how much? How much do you take? I take a, a less than a half a milliliter, milliliter, maybe Mill maybe a milliliter. Yeah, that'll be in grams. Do you know? I don't I have no idea. Uh, it's about a half. It's a about a half a gram. Oh, that's cool. Because I mean, micro dosing now, man, yeah. is the thing. It's, it's it, is, yeah. it is enough that it it gives me the euphoria, mm -hmm. but it doesn't give me that like high you're like you're I, not I can't tripping. do anything yeah feeling no i know it's just like enough so you know you're on it but enough to also so you can do your show like you have to yeah, work, I can you still can... operate i can do everything yeah. i can drive i can walk i can talk i can work on and actually when i work i find it's actually even better because i am uber concentrated <laughs> you're not, yes you're I'm, not, I'm not um looking around i'm concentrated on what i'm doing and uh -huh. in the garage door business um Five days, uh, five doors in one day is a good day. <laughs> Seven oh, doors in one day is an excellent day. Nine mm. doors in one day is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. And the difference is five doors, no psilocybin. Mm. Nine doors, psilocybin. Okay. Yeah. And I see it, it. It's made a huge difference in in our relationship the, the, too. The bigger, the bigger part, the it, initial thing. Now listen. There's there's that's out there and I know you're listening to me and I'm cool with that. I don't I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you what I've been told. Um, my biggest thing was pain. I have tons of pain. There's pain everywhere. Most of it's manageable. Most of it I deal with and I don't fucking care. Yeah. I have found that if other people are dealing with it, it really hurts. I guess I, I don't care. My biggest thing was arthritis because I have arthritis all over my upper body. My hands, my elbows, my shoulders, my arms, I got it everywhere. Um, and it hurts just to fucking get up and move in the morning. Yeah. But between this, which has cured all of that, I don't take anything for pain anymore. I don't even take Advil anymore. Nice. And when I get a headache, as compared to when you all get a headache, because when your head hasn't been cut into, it's still alive. And it still kind of grows and expands, shrinks. Mine doesn't do that anymore. So when I get a headache, that's because my brain is expanding and it's touching the side of what it's not supposed to touch, which is metal. And it hurts like a motherfucker. But guess what? I don't get headaches anymore because... Is that a pipe? I, I smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, it's a pipe. Oh, cool, man. Nice. Yeah, let, let, listen. Uh, pipe. What? That's my Jamaica pipe. So I get, oh, rid of, cool. I get rid of the pain I noticed. And I noticed it's been easier to concentrate now on the PTSD side of it. Yes. So no, I, you I got rid of one problem. The pain's gone now. So now I'm really concentrating on working on the 
anger outlashes, trying to be more calm, trying to relax, just trying to not do anything. Because mm -hmm. if you ever see a military guy, he never sits down for very long. He will be and moving. We're constantly moving. We never stop. Shaking. But when I take the psilocybin, I sit my ass in a chair and I'll either start looking at my phone or watching TV or having a conversation with somebody, but I won't have the urge to get up and start moving. You're just in the moment. That's the thing. That's what we need because our minds is going back and forth because our mind is made to make connections, you know, so to keep our safe, our brain is built. So whatever information is coming in right now, we are absorbing. And at the same time, we are comparing the information with our experience from the past, you know, so at the, at all of this is happening at the same time. If you have a brain that is overactive as a PTSD brain is, you're going to have, because I mean, for me, so uh, why did I write this book is because it was my personal experience with psychedelics marijuana being the first so i i was at work i was a bartender slash server you know you bartend you serve mm -hmm. it's all the same thing and you know people that go to restaurants sometimes they're very unpleasant right and i was I'm trying to for years most i'm very of the aware time. yeah most of the time they're pretty much unpleasant yeah they're, they're dicks I'm, i like this podcast because i have to go you know i can go off yes so they're fucking assholes and what happened is you're there and you try just to do your job right whatever the guy comes in with his family he's fighting with his wife and you go like hey guys welcome can i get you anything to drink and he gives you a you know dickhead answer and you're just like on the limit because you're working so much so i was on the verge of breaking down you know like i'm gonna fucking murder this guy right now there was a lot of times that this was happening because I was, you know, I, I, I was working a lot and then somebody was treating me like shit. And then I was like, oh, my God, I cannot deal with this one second more. And I would go to the parking lot. I would smoke two hits on a joint because, I mean, after at, at this time, I, I created this rule. I'm never going to leave the, the house without a joint every day. I, I need a joint in my car so I have a backup. You know, if something, you know, tips me off, I'm just going to go in the car, uh, going to do two puffs and come back and do my shit. So I discovered that this was one of the best ideas I ever had. Because literally, I would be, I, I would, my thinking, guys, would switch, like, extremely. I would be here right now, like, I'm going to fucking murder this guy, man. Wow. I'm just, I just want to, like, serve this guy and do my job. But he's been a dick. What a fucking asshole sparking lot smoke comes back oh man oh i see it now this guy his mom didn't give him any love or you know you, you see the bigger picture but it's just like it's a, a, a it's a realm that becomes available to you it seems that you did not have access to that realm of thinking and yeah. then when you do smoke it you do get connected it shows you that you know there's this other side of the picture that you're not seeing because the regular mind is not built to this hey do me a favor real quick give me your pink bag right there right okay so when i started smoking right yeah. she's, she's carried this bag around for years she acted like i didn't know what was in it i always knew what was in super it. spreader of truth oh and okay it's it's her weed 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's my travel bag. It's her travel bag. She carries it around in the car, whatnot, with her. No smells comes out of it. Oh, yeah. No, um, no, no. Well, I've got a smell-proof, a little smell-proof container with a grinder oh. in it. So, like, it's two pieces. So, you take it apart, and there's the, the grinder part in the bottom. And, you know, so you can store in there, and then you grind it up in the bottom part. And it and it's all anyway, smell-proof. So, it's great. Yeah. So, professional. When, I, when I started smoking <laughs> again, okay, I, I said, okay, I made a kit just like this, and it's in my bag, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I, sir, you, you have no idea. Um, until you walk into a person's garage and you're there to fix their garage door, and they start losing their fucking mind on you because you say, hey, dude, you're going to need a new door. Oh, sure God. This is like um, six years ago. First appointment I'm doing by myself, okay? This is the first time I'm going out by myself, right? I go to this dude's door. Um, it's the, the bottom two panels are just absolutely they're fucked. There's I I could have been a miracle worker. I could have been God and told the guy, look, there's nothing even I can do because this is done. But you're God. Is that um, oh, is that when the 16-year-old drove yeah. his okay? So <laughs> I, I'm sitting there and dude, this guy came out like three times in the course of an hour, span of an hour. Fuck it. What's going on? What doesn't look better? Okay. Wow. It's going to take a little bit, bud. And I don't even know if I can actually fix this or not. This is really fucked up. Right. And this is at like five, six o'clock at night. And he came out three times in the course of an hour asking me what was going on with the door. Finally, I got to the end. I was just like, dude, there's nothing else I can do for this door. You're going to have to buy two new panels. And this guy just lost it. Ah. Fucking lost his mind. Now, mind you, there is probably this was before he started smoking. This okay. is no, oh, no, 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 no. This no, this was yeah, six yeah, years you're right, ago. You're you weren't right, smoking. You're right. So there is a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar jack in the garage, right next to the garage I'm working on, and the whole front end of it is fucked up, and there's paint transfer and I can see the door's color on the front of the car and I could hear a young lady walking around the house above me this is a beach house it's on stilts so he comes down he loses ever living mind I started packing my shit up I was like I'm fucking done because I was I'm where you're at all I see is blood right now I have a screwdriver in my hand I can plant this in the center of your fucking skull and walk away here and I would be completely calm uh -huh. You can take my blood pressure, it'd be fucking 120 over 80. Promise. Because everything would have gone out in that screwdriver. But instead, I just started packing my shit up. And he goes, right. where the fuck are you going? I was just like, I'm going to fucking leave now. Because I I don't understand what your fucking issue is. Um, first of all. But second of all, I don't know why you're yelling at me. When you probably want to be fucking yelling at yourself. It's not my fucking problem that you're an idiot and you tried to teach your 16-year-old daughter how to drive in obviously a standard transmission freaking gorgeous Jaguar. And she threw it in first instead of reverse and drove directly through the garage. That's not my fault. You're probably more pissed off at that car than you are at me. But I get it. I'll come back when you're more calm. And I started to walk out. He came out. He grabbed me by the shoulder. He goes, dude, I am so sorry. I am such a fucking asshole. What do we got to do to fix this? He's like, you're right. I, you got me. 
And I was, I was completely expecting to get fired at this point. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yes. shit up for good. This is the last time I'm going to do a garage door. Wow. And, uh, this dude's just like, he gave me a $150 tip that night mm. just for being that big of a dick. <laughs> and I was just like, I, I would have thought 200 would have been even, but whatever. I'm yeah, not, right. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, but it's almost like today with what you're talking, you're right. I think there is some of that. Mm -hmm. um, there is shit online that people can't seem to deal with. And whether it's mom and dad were pussies and didn't really raise Junior the right way, or Junior just was in a, in a real shitty environment, I don't know which. What I can tell you is when you call people, and I think that's where the problem is today. I don't think enough people can deal with criticism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think criticism is everyone's fear today. And God forbid anybody tell you that what you're doing looks like shit or, oh, because everybody's got to win today. Everybody's got to get a trophy. Everybody's got to get a ribbon. Everybody's got to get a little banner. What'd you do? See, my right. bosses always loved me in any job I ever had because I was like, please criticize my work. I can't improve unless I know what I'm doing wrong. All criticism right. is constructive. People don't understand that. Um, yeah, there's a there's a heavy sense of entitlement, you know, in oh, nowadays yeah. because people they like that guy from the door. What he had was a sense of entitlement because I'm paying this guy, and what you did when you yelled back at him, he was like, "Oh fuck, I did step over the line," and you know, you. I mean, I'm not saying you're lucky, but there's times you know there's because i mean you said that you're expecting the guy to you know howl at you or something because that that would be the usual response right he was ali i mean so he was not completely an asshole let's say because he went you know okay i i i assume my mistake right i mm -hmm. did step over the line but the usual response from people is like wow this guy just leave me alone he walked out on me motherfucker. yep that's that's usually what people because Listen, man, everybody is their main character of their own movie. And they want to show, because I mean, now we, I can have my movie. You can have yours. We can like get together and, you know, make a, I don't know, a series of it. You know, I do one episode, you do another one. We have to have a consensus. But then uh, if my I'm in the main character of my movie and you're the character of your movie and how, how the fuck I'm going to be the main character in, on your movie as well, that's what everybody kind of have today, right? I need to be the main in everything. There is a saying that I love that is like, you know, let's say you came to this world with a purpose and your purpose is to build the tallest building in the city. Pretty quick, you're going to realize there's only two ways to do this. Either you work so hard and so pure that by your own merit, you're going to build the tallest building in the city and you're going to have the tallest building. Or you can destroy the tallest building in the city and make your being the tallest by destroying all the building there is. I know the second option may not even occur to you that is listening to us. And that means you have a pure mind. You have a mind that is not corrupted. You know, so if you do feel that you just, you know, just the first option occurred to you, it might mean that you're not protected enough around people who do not have your best interests in mind. 
because you know some people just because they want to have the tallest building in the city they will destroy all the other buildings you know so we need i think we need clarity that's what we need we need just to know uh there are people out there there might because i mean human beings man we are fucking complicated we are you know we are not black and white we are not just you know oh he's good and he if he's not good he's bad i think people are good and bad you mm -hmm. know there is like there you have these two forces inside of you that they want to just you know they just want to be recognized you know if you shut down the the negative you're never going to be able to really enjoy the positive because the negative is inside of you humming. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the only thing like, you know, uh, connect, um, what, what is the, what do they say? You integrate these forces and then you become a better person just by, that's why, man, anybody who ever been through hell, you know, if you've been through a hardship, I know people, uh, I think one of the one of the patterns that I need to recognize in people to be around me, if you overcome something hard in your life, I look for that, you know, oh, does he work out? Does he do this? Does he do difficult things? Because it, that's a, a great way to see if you're not, you know, because nowadays everybody is a talker, everybody sells their image great. I, oh man, I'm gonna be a humanitarian. Uh, you know, it, it's a lot, but I think one way we can see the truth in people is by their habits, you know, so whenever you meet somebody, try to see, man, like their character first, and then you go ahead and make, you know, a decision to work for him or not, because I mean, I assume you go, you went back to this guy, right? After a hundred no, 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 no. Well, I, I stayed there that night. I fixed his garage door and I did go back. We did replace the panels. Uh, no, because that, that, that's the, that's what I think. Because human beings, they're in an evolution. And that mm -hmm. guy, he just showed you he was able to evolve, right? Yes, correct. And that's that, one thing. Well, you, you just said something. And what you, what, you, what you just said is fucking mind-blowing because I never thought a civilian could speak like this. But then again, well, I'm, I'm reminded that you had a lot of military guys around you. Um, but you just said the sense of belonging. One of the things the military is really great at, and I promise this will be the last thing I bring up about it, but one of the things that they always taught us was our job. When I was when I became a non-commissioned officer, I had to provide purpose, motivation, and direction to all of my soldiers. That was my primary job. Now, a leader. I, I was given my purpose, my motivation, and my direction from my – I was a subordinate, so – they gave me my purpose, my motivation, my direction. I would provide that same purpose, motivation, and direction to my soldiers. One of the things I did when I was in the military, I when the army decided one day, yeah, we're going to make this guy a platoon sergeant. That was a fucking most retarded idea they ever did. <laughs> but they did. They put me in charge of 40 motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. So when I was going through, I interviewed everybody in my platoon, and everybody's like, look at me, like, what the fuck is this ass clown doing? Like, nobody knew what I was doing. I was literally conducting my own social engineering project. I interviewed everybody in the platoon. I talked to every single person, said, hey, when you were growing up, did your mom and dad beat you? Okay. 
So if your mom and dad whooped you with a stick, with anything, a switch, a belt, if you were wooden beaten, spoon. a wooden spoon, I don't give a fuck. Wooden spoons are the best. If it was a fucking shoe. Because I know there's Brazil no- is the shoe. Fuck yeah. There's, you don't fuck around with a Brazilian woman or fucking flip flops. She will take your fucking head off. Oh, wow. That's, that's Mr. Goo right there. Right. I'm Brazil. Trust me. But they had, when I did it, I broke my squads down. So my first two squads, they were composed of the timeouts, what I called the timeout squad and the soft pattering squad the ones that just got whooped till they were like two and they got patted on the butt and then after that it was like either time out or go go to your room and then the other two squads were all the guys that were beat either they got a switch a belt two by four a fucking whatever it was they had a harder life growing up and one of the big things in the infantry world is we send you to ranger school okay i would send them in pairs one from one of the two squads, one from the other one. And there's a reason why I did this. Because the ones that got the shit kicked out of them when they were kids, the ones that got their ass beat, they made it through ranger school the first time without an issue. The ones that got put in timeout, I didn't have a single one make it through ranger school. Ranger school, just in case you're not aware, is 68 days of no sleep, really no food, And you work your ass off at every minute and you walk through every terrain that is capable, plus jumping out of planes, plus carrying weapons, plus knowing how to maneuver as a unit. And it sucks. And it's 68 days of just straight suck. Yeah, they say that it's like they rip your soul from your body and they say, now we're going to start. Now we're going to rebuild you as a man. And you go through ranger school. I went through ranger school. I was a two-timer. But- I had an injury. That's kind of where I had problems. He because popped a kidney stone halfway through. And Whoa. I didn't pee for six days. Yeah. And my bladder was this big. And I had to get, they had to t- stick a needle in my bladder to pull the urine out. That's how expanded I was. Yeah. He was all blocked up. But man, you've been through it all, bro. <laughs> those guys, the guys that in the bottom two squads, because my third and fourth squad were the ones that got beaten. Every single one of them, first time goes. Never. Because. They dealt with trauma back in their life. They learned how to deal with that trauma, put it where it needed to be. They knew when they needed to use that trauma to their advantage. And they had already pushed through what I like to call the modern form of PTSD. And once you learn how to use it and restructure it to something that's useful in your life, you can actually do a lot with it. Our biggest problem, or at least my biggest problem, is I can't think. It shuts me down completely. It stops everything. I go back in time. I'm in something or I am somewhere that things are not good right now. And then all of a sudden, I'm out and I'm back in normal life. But I've just relived everything that just took place in whatever time I was gone for. So whatever, that's all fresh. And now I'm trying to comprehend what I saw, what I did. Why did I do that? What about that? What, you know, I'm trying to realize, trying to rationalize what I did. And the other thing too was when the thing that I found that was kind of the worst, the military teaches you to suppress your emotions. Correct. Very much. Put it in a box and put it away and don't deal with it. 
just yeah. lock it away and, and push it down and don't deal with it. And then, and then once for the moment, that's okay for the moment, moment. but then yeah. they, they don't teach them how to unlock the box. And then when you have that, that fugue state, that flashback, when, when something comes, you know, something triggers you and you fall back into that moment, you're not just experiencing what happened. You're also experiencing all the emotions that you've repressed for five, 10, 15, 20 years. And after all that time, it festers and they build and it all comes out all at once and it makes it so much worse. So then when you come out of it, you're not just trying to reconcile the past with the present. You're also trying to deal with all of those emotions that you didn't even know that were there. Like they were behind a wall and it just got kicked down and they all just came rushing at you. And, And you're in real life trying to deal with your everyday emotions and at the same time, trying to deal with all of your past emotions. And that's exponentially harder. Exponentially. Exactly. Uh, what we're talking about, guys, here is like whenever Mick is doing this, you know, uh, so PTSD brains, they do have different wiring. And what happens when you go into a certain, you know, I call it because I call it a fugue state because it'll happen when and it hasn't happened in a long time, not since we've gotten him off of all the big pharma drugs and and switched entirely to cannabis and psilocybin um i was just thinking Mm -hmm. um there hasn't even been you haven't had a seizure nothing you you haven't had you haven't had i mean any anything anything um but he would something would trigger him and he we'd be having conversation and there'd be you know he'd he'd smell something or a commercial come on in the background something and he would drop out of the conversation and he would recount to me everything that happened like he was describing like a movie you know everything that was going on and he'd be weeping or screaming or crying whatever it was and letting all of those emotions out that's how i knew and and then he'd come out of it and he would pick up the previous conversation we were having from the word that he had dropped off like in mid-sentence and he wouldn't remember what he had just recounted to me, but he was still feeling all of those emotions and he wouldn't understand like, why the fuck do I feel like this all of a sudden? Right. Guys, uh, well, well, sorry, I'm not interrupting you. No, not at all. Nope. Go ahead. Uh, no. Cause I mean, one thing that I figured was, so I'm not sure right now what is the, cause I mean, I know there is an area in the brain that with PTSD, it got it gets light up real easy. I think it's area 34. I'm not sure whoever is a doctor out there and hear me saying this, but there is an area that whenever the PTSD brain goes into the trigger, this area lighted up, gets light up. So what 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 you have is you literally space out and you are sex. So the good thing about PTSD, guys, there's a good side too is you have an easier access to your subconscious you can easily more you know easily than other people access to your subconscious because when you go into these memories and it sucks because it, it was supposed to be memories but we call it traumas right and then when you go into them and you relieve that because it's so vivid in your brain and you haven't dealt with it and now you're having the same you know input that you had when you had the experience and you also uh, kind of the, like being out of the question of your own reality. So cannabis is an essential medicine for 
PTSD because it will allow you to slow down. First of all, the PTSD brain, it has, it goes up, you know, your heart rate goes up. So breathing is essential, but if you try to do this by yourself, it might be hard because you are too locked. So you're not able to release that anxiety that PTSD brings you. So you smoke, let's say, because I mean, for me, people that had bad experience marijuana, I think is their own fault because whenever people go to me, no, I smoke once and, and they got me paranoid. I was like, mm -hmm. bro, you smoke too much. But because I mean, yeah, like, dude, you smoke, like, shut the fuck up, sit, sit down, take a hit, just and shut the fuck Yeah, shut the fuck up, just take one hit, one, mm -hmm. and see how you feel. Do not smoke a whole joint if it's the first time. So if you do this, you slowly gonna take charge of this process of reconnecting because let me give you a great great vision of how to use marijuana and this is in my book so uh i'm amazed i'm amazed that you found somebody to print your book because no. you're talking about marijuana so that's the thing man that's why i have to go solo that's why i'm bringing my book on amazon because I, I didn't, so I tried to hit some agents, you know, and everything, but they would go to me and say like, oh, I wish I could help you, but this is a little controversial to be, you know, for me to work on. I think it would take a long time. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to do it by myself, you know? So it's like, I'm hustling this out, my friends. I'm like, I work as a bartender. I got some money and I'm doing my own thing, which is okay because I would just have to do this that I'm doing with you guys. You know, I have to find people like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. So we share this and then the book will eventually get out and then the money also will come and I'll be able to, you know, have a profession as a writer because I think I can, you know, I did a lot. I spent eight years, man, just testing my mind on psychedelics. Literally, literally, I just did that. I was working, dealing with people and... You know, trying to overcome my own traumas and scuba diving and doing this and that. So I love the Rastafari culture about marijuana. So the Rastafari, in my book, there is a chapter called The Wisdom of Solomon. The wisdom, King Solomon, uh, he was the wisest man on earth. And what happens is when he died, they cremated him. And they pull his ashes and throw it out throughout Ethiopia and Jamaica. And from those ashes was born a plant of wisdom. So the Rastafari, they believe that when you smoke marijuana, you are inhaling Solomon's wisdom. That's, you know, I mean, it might be just a metaphor, right? But whatever, it's a perfect metaphor because what happened is you are able then to get out of your own self and watch yourself from a 30 party perspective so you can be your own fucking psychologist right if you know how to do this i'm not saying that you're going to smoke tonight and you're going to find the solution for your life but what i'm saying is if you slow down your life and you reconnect with your own self because all of this that we're talking about is about reconnecting with our higher self and whenever you do this all of these things, you know, they're going to go away. You know, they're going to, it's not that they're going to go away, but you will be able to handle them in a positive manner, you know, because all the PTSD stuff, they're going to keep happening. The triggers are not, they're never going away. 
they just become weaker because you become stronger in handling them. You know, so, that's what I figure. So in, in speaking of that, I'm going to invite you to uh, partake with us in something that we do on this show every night. Okay. 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 Down here in the corner, um, in the corner of the screen, you see, it says cannabis and combat. Uh, he was, uh, that's another friend of mine. It's, uh, Justin, he was our, uh, he was our best friend, one of my best friends. And he, um, took his own life, um, uh, in July and last July. And, um, we do this every show and, uh, we give him a tribute because his whole thing was about cannabis. He loved cannabis and he loved combat sports. So he did a whole show about cannabis and combat. So we talked about cannabis, uh, he would tell you how to grow it. He used to work in the grow farms in Oregon. He had so much, he had his own, um, he has serious CBD. Uh, yeah. it's probably the best topical CBD out there that you can yeah. get. Um, he's got the liquid for, he's got everything. He got me smoking again. So since wow. he got me smoking again, every show we do a tribute to him. Hold on. I got to pack it first. So give me a second. Cause we're five minutes early yet. So give it a second. All right. Well, so, okay. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to share this moment with you guys. Let me get my own stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go you got that. time. Yes. Yeah. Go do that. But with that, when you were talking though, I mean, you could still hear us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, when you were talking about getting out of yourself, um, mm. that is something I've noticed more with the psilocybin than yeah. I've noticed with marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, but what marijuana does do, first of all, the biggest part of marijuana is it relieves all my pain. So that I think a lot of vets, they deal with pain and their pain turns to anger because that's the way we were taught to use it. So when you look at a veteran, if he's very angry, normally he's probably in a lot of pain and he hasn't dealt with that part of his life yet. He hasn't figured out how to deal with that pain. Mm. I happen to find it in marijuana. And I'm telling you, after you smoke enough of it, you don't get high anymore. If anything, I just don't feel pain anymore. Right. Uh, do, do you guys know a guy called Terrence McKenna? Mm -mm. No. So he's a he's a psychedelic philosopher. Um, so he, he literally taught me, I mean, he's dead already. He's not here with us anymore. His brother, Dennis McKenna, is still here. but And he's a great, uh, you know, teacher of the psychedelic world. Uh, basically, at some point in my life, I figured that I could not live without marijuana anymore. And I was like, all right, let me know what this really is. What is it? You know, I need, I, I did my own research and I figured it out. And um, Terrence McKenna, he says that if you if you know how to use marijuana, because for, for me, I, I had that experience that you have about the pain. You know, I started because I was fat, guys. So for me, I, I weighed 326 pounds. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, in 2014. When was this? 2014. Good for you. You lost a whole person. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, no, I work out. I became strong. I got myself together. And uh, one thing that was really, you know, the hardest was the pain from the workouts and the diet I was doing. And when I was smoking. I would feel a relief of that stress, you know, and that was magical for me. And then I started studying the, you know, the shamanism about marijuana, because what I found amazing is the tribes, if you were an Indian back then, they said they were walking by the plant and the plant 
spoke to them, hey, like in hell me. Yeah, you know? told them what to do with it. Yes, because if you think about it, all these plants that uh, came to our knowledge, because I mean, if you do mushrooms, some mushrooms, they, they can kill you. So it's not that somebody was out there like trying all of kinds of mushrooms and, you know, some of them. No. They right. knew what to do because they were being transmitted through another form of language. You know, whenever we look, literally there is a picture of like you sit down and you smoke, but then it doesn't matter how much you smoke, only if you get to that point where you literally relax and you are no one and no thing. You know, that point when you smoke and you just wow. So at that point, your third eye is getting crack open. You know, because TAC, it does this. TAC goes right into the amygdala. It does it. It your pineal gland. Yeah, exactly. So the, if you are, a, you know, a once in a lifetime smoker, like you smoke once a year, that's why you think marijuana is bad. Because what happens is TAC goes to your amygdala and then give a little slap on it. And then you become, oh, shit, it's a real, there is a realm that is like this, you know, and then you start becoming aware of plants, of dogs and shit. And that's why you think it's crazy. But when you do this enough, this become your realm, you know, that's where you live in. And you always trying to reconnect with that. That's why I love the two, you know, puffs thing and the microdosing of the psilocybin because it, keep, it keeps the flow, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to keep your brain on that of you know just things that you wanted to come in is going to come in and the other things you're going to be able to you know not not absorb hey, that, i think that's the best way to so, put it too um okay and uh it, all right pill chat hold on real, real quick daniel pill chat um liana i see you honey we all see you or mick and i see you but since we dropped obs and we're running directly off of Streamyard, we cannot put the chat up on the screen anymore like we used to so it mm. doesn't have anything to do with you guys it's just because obs was being such a fucking bastard and constantly shutting down and fucking up the camera and it's just not worth it um so it's it's not about you guys um Anywho, good try though yeah nice nice one though um uh, something else i i want to i want to bring up because i have to say there's military wives like myself are few and far between there's plenty of military wives out there but military wives like me or like tara or like a couple others you know that i know where... there's nobody else like you in okay the world. <laughs> right. good nick that's it man you're right god can However, only deal with one of you let alone the, two of you the problem with especially military guys and go ahead and, and hit that babe while i'm talking all right well, get us started we can get started yeah i'll just turn the music down a little so the problem with it you can't do it that oh, okay. much because you turn him down yeah, the... oh yeah we got a bong it's all good um Ooh. yeah oh we go so, all out yeah it hits from, it hits the, bong, from the bong buddy but the problem with that uh, i think something that really triggers it worse in guys when they retire and the, the army, the military has done a better job about helping guys transition to this. But so many guys come home and their wives have been used to running the show for years, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. They're just coming home occasionally and then all of a sudden their husbands are home all the time. 
And they're like, who the fuck are you? And what do you mean you're going to try and change everything in my house that I've been running like a, you know, a top for years. And, and you're talking back to a soldier. What? And, and so all of a sudden you want to come in and change everything. And you want to start like taking this over and changing that. No, 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 no. And then they start fighting and, and the wives don't understand. They don't get it. And then they're like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm out. I'm done. So literally we got to the point we, we even made it when I was special force, you get a lot more leniency. It's not like regular army. We got treated a lot differently. We had a lot more leeway. I was walking around looking like this 90% of the time. I right. didn't shave. I didn't do all that shit. Didn't have to. Mm -hmm. one, one of the things I loved about SOCOM, SOCOM started this program where when we were coming back from Afghanistan after nine months, when we were in our nine month rotational tours, where we were going in nine months, you're fighting balls to the wall for nine months, and then you're coming out for three months, and then you go right back for another nine months. What they started doing was we'd get on a plane, and that plane would break down in Germany. Why would it break down in Germany? Because we would go out on our way home. We're coming back to the States. That plane would magically break down in Germany because we were out there just getting absolutely all the bullshit out of us. We're getting Blasted. drunk. We're getting fucked up. We're doing all the retarded shit that we would get arrested for in the States. But in Germany, we're not going to get arrested for. And <laughs> mm, that's a good one. then we would go back to the States and then we'd be reintroduced to our families because only then after we got all of that out, you actually had a proper homecoming because you didn't feel that need. You didn't feel like, yeah, man. it's like you, you need to exercise a demon. Exactly. The, so the army has done a good job of, of helping guys transit, uh, helping soldiers transition to civilian life coming home. Mm -hmm. But where they fall short is helping the wives transition to their husbands coming home because yeah i think it's a job of her own right the mm -hmm. wife the oh, teacher, yeah. doesn't... very very much so and let me tell you ladies because i know you're out there listening to me and i know a lot of you are in the same shoes that i've been in um or they could be gentlemen these days or gentlemen too but you have to understand where they're coming from and it helps if you smoke Okay, you can get PTSD from dealing with someone with severe PTSD, their mood swings, their anger, their frustration, that the constantly living on edge of not knowing if right. every it, word that comes out of your mouth day or a bad is going to either set them off or, you know, get them to, to give you a hug. I mean, you know, you can say the same thing from one day to the next and the reaction is completely different. And right. how do you deal with that? And that's, that's really, I mean, it's a learning process. Yeah, you, uh, the first uh, thing that you have to deal, that you have to learn to deal with it is, well, there's three things, patience, loyalty, and love. Okay. That's what it is. You have to be committed. When you take that vow, it's in sickness or in health. And right now it's sickness or in that moment, it's sickness and till death do us part is not a joke. If you don't take your oath, your commitment seriously, you are doing your spouse who has made an even bigger oath and a bigger commitment. You're making a mockery of their oath, right? 
Yeah, you got to know who your husband and who your wife are before you go into that relationship. If you do this, you're going to figure it out, you know, because, I mean, probably you guys, you are one of these people, right? Because, I mean, some people, they rush to get in a marriage, and then when that happens, when shit is the fan, and then everything is weird. Because now, I don't really know who this guy is. Exactly. And then, if, if you know who I met, I know this motherfucker. He's nice. You know, he's a good guy. He, if he, he sees somebody... You know, with a, a problem, he's gonna do everything he can to help. So he's not this person right now. He's just having some issues. And if we go with love and uh, you know, we we'll approach this problem with the solution in our minds, we can get there. But if you like, ah, I want to go out tonight, and you having a fucking PTSD attack, get the fuck out of here. You know. So that's not the the. I mean, th that is not what the relationship needs that is not what you need because if you're in a relationship because you want to go out with somebody it's you know uh, so you need the bigger picture with you all the time and especially if you date a fucking guy that came back from war get ready because oh, yeah. that's not mm -hmm. that's not going to be a walk in the park lady that's right? not oh, that's no. not and there's and, a lot of new year's I, um new year's fucking what we missed fourth of july is new year's birthdays oh. christmas no, no, I mean, no. it, it was new year's and fourth of july oh, yeah, just fireworks. because of fireworks yeah fireworks and not so much anymore they used to be they used to be really bad before when i when i wasn't smoking i anything that went bang i was what was that oh, um, that the fireworks being around fireworks and shit we missed i don't know how many fourth of july's and if New you were Year's setting just, them off yourself you were okay yeah but if i, think I was doing that. the worst was when um they just started no, right after you got out and we were walking in downtown savannah yep. uh on new year's eve and they were setting off the fireworks but we were up 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 on the bluff up in the city and they set off the fireworks in the river so you could only hear the bangs but you couldn't actually see the fireworks because they were kind of blocked by all the buildings so it was just like bang bang i mean it was constant and i, I mean you almost broke my hand because you were squeezing how do you feel me how, how would you like what, what what is it to you this bangs oh shit it's i'm looking for somebody shooting at me right so I'm you defend myself so you, you literally feel incoming I'm yeah. looking for there. Okay. So the best way to describe it, um, uh, have you ever, have you seen those videos on like Instagram and on TikTok? I obviously we know you're on Instagram. Um, you know, that video where the guy's like, you're watching something so intently and then all of a sudden they throw something at you and you like jump back from the screen and you see those guys and they jump yeah, back yeah. throw water or something all over themselves. It's kind of like that. But what, what does it feel like in your body? What, what do you feel that the, um, the heart goes nuts, everything, but it's what it's supposed to be. Uh, my best description of this, I go back to the departed. If you remember in The Departed when he's sitting there and he says, I'm there with a mass murderer. I'm standing there with a mass murderer. And I'm talking to him and I know I've seen the people he's killed. And the one thing I learned about myself is my hand is calm. Doesn't move. Doesn't shake. That is what it feels like. Everything goes uber heightened. I'm looking around. I'm watching everybody around. It's, it's like everything is now my field of view. Now my only job is to get where I'm going. And if right. you get in my way, 90% of the time I'm armed, you will die. 
it's not a choice. You yeah. don't. When I get in that state, she knows where the gun's at. She grabs it from me and throws it in her bag. Okay, yeah. She knows Jesus. the deal. She knows when that happens. That's uh, but it is, but that's like very rare now. It, it, it really yeah, doesn't yeah. happen now because I have a way to manage. Not necessarily, not necessarily deal with, but I manage. And with the management comes the dealing part because now I get to, now that the, really the biggest thing, and I swear to God, 90% of the vets are not, they're going to tell me, no, you're wrong. 90% of you motherfuckers that served, you have pain. That is the first thing you have to overcome. There is a thing called pain-free. It, there right. really is. I swear to God, it exists. And you don't feel like you're higher than a kite. Mm -hmm. It is, there is a place. I'm telling you it exists. But once you get through that, now I can concentrate on working on me. Relationships, making sure they're still intact. Kids, I got two kids. They both think I'm a fucking gigantic cocksucker. But what? <laughs> you're gonna have that. well, the older one, but that's because he especially dealt with your PTSD he when you too. were going through the worst of it. the The little yeah. one, not so much. A, a bit. Um, he's much more sensitive. But our our older son really. I mean, Caught he did. The brunt of it. He really did, and he didn't. I mean, up until he was six years old, they only spent a total of six weeks together because oh, wow, first, yeah. I, mind you, when, when our son was born was when, I mean, I was seven months pregnant when he was going through his brain surgery. And then he spent three years at Walter Reed. Um, and he would occasionally come home on the weekend or I would go up on the weekend. But when I went up on the weekends, I didn't usually bring the baby. I, you know, cause it was just, it's difficult traveling with an infant traveling eight hours. So, um, and I, I had an excellent support system here in Savannah. I always lived here in Savannah everywhere he went. Um, and then, then he would, then he deployed again. He deployed for 18 months and he was home for two weeks. Um, and then, then he came home, but he was stationed in Texas. And, uh, I mean, it was just one app, you know, one after another, then he got, you know, he got moved somewhere else. And again, he came home for two weeks. Um, and it wasn't until he finally was transferred to Savannah where we live that, uh, he, and we almost immediately got pregnant with our second child. Uh, when he finally got to develop a relationship with our older son and he was already struggling with the anger and the PTSD and um, everything at that point. So our son really did take the brunt of it. Now he'll, he's, He'll be one of those kids that, you know, he, he can take a beating and he knows it. Um, he's 16 now and he's, he's a great kid. He's smart. Um, he's tall. He's taller than both of us. Good looking, you know, um, but, uh, and he really doesn't give a fuck hmm. because he knows he can take a beating. Right. Listen, man. I mean, I'm hearing this woman talk, Mick, and I'm going to tell you right now, you know, being around as I've been and meeting people, you hold this lady's hand forever in your life and keep it together with her man because the lightness that she is speaking about all these problems man this is magical you find gold you know i mean woman they're gonna either make you or break you bro and she is making you i love that because 
Listen, the hardships are real. You know, you don't even know the half of the story <laughs> because what you would be fucking shocked to find out is I knew this before she did. Oh, yeah. Way That's before how. she did. He, he, he stalked me before it was illegal, like from the time we were kids. And um, he basically, you know, he actually convinced my mother to um, convince me to marry him. Listen, man, I'm going to say that this guy stalked you before, stalked, before the internet. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. So he's, he, he's legit. He's persistent, but I, I do want to, um, I do want to, a, a couple words of advice to, to the ladies out there that are in this situation. First off, say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Um, don't prevaricate. Say what you mean and mean what you say. I think one of the, the be very specific. Uh, one of the worst triggers you ever had one of the worst times that we ever had it was right after we moved in here and it was before you'd started smoking and um and you know we were just we were bickering fucking around like we weren't fighting or anything like that right mm -hmm. and um and i i said to you i said i said get out of here right and i meant get out of my kitchen because i was like cooking and cleaning and whatnot but I didn't say get out of my kitchen. I said, get out of here. And he thought I meant get out of my house, like get out of the house. Like instantly he, he went to, you know, like I was pissed about something and I was kicking him out and I was done. There was something there. There was some, some trigger, some insecurity and something in what I said, not being specific enough, not letting him know that I was joking set him off to the point where I, I mean he he flipped out and then passed out i mean completely lost it um and uh i found him face down in the, in the floor in our bedroom oh wow yeah so ladies always 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 make your man understand that you are not ever going anywhere they have to feel completely 100% secure in you and your relationship. Don't ever be down, even if you feel down. And what you said about when people were pissing you off in the restaurant business, and I worked in hospitality for years, so trust me, I get it. I used to run a hotel, right? So um, when I get really pissed, um, I'd go out on the, the back East River walk <laughs> before mm. they built it up, and I'd take a couple hits off my 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 little one hitter and um and i'd scream at the top of my lungs because no one could hear me and then i'd go back inside and i'd be better mm. sometimes you have to do that in your relationship too but don't do it around him wait for him to leave learn from him or her what the military taught them about how to suppress their emotions and how to put it in the box but understand how to take it out so as soon as they leave you go outside you you scream go take a shower silent screams are great they work too yeah. you know you can scream without sound but don't ever show it to him don't ever show it to them yeah, like you always have to be upbeat you always have to be you have to always be looking for a solution always be positive because positive thoughts 
and positive actions equal positive outcomes. Negative thoughts, negative actions attract negative outcomes every time without fail. You have to be positive. Stand by him. Let him know that you are not going anywhere. Be specific. Stay calm and work through it. Uh, Just uh, your commitment, your oath. Let me tell you, your relationship will be a thousand times stronger coming out the other end. If you get through it, you've got to do it together. You have to do it together. Yeah. Make him feel like he belongs. Yes, exactly. Yes, please. Because that's the bigger man. And you know, for all you other guys too, that are looking for that brotherhood, you're looking for that ability to belong, right? Um, And I'm long on this country because I've gone to war for it twice now and I love it. I'm, I, I, I die for it. Shit, I have. Um, I I say this. You know, you want to belong to something again? Belong to the country. Belong to everybody around you. Be an American. Belong to we the people. Be a patriot. Be what you're supposed to be. Be what we learned about when we were in the military. Stand up for the country. It's time. We're We're here. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to hold those above us accountable for what they've done and what they haven't done and what they haven't told us about. What aren't we being told about that we should be being told about? What are the people in Ohio dealing with right now? What are the people in Florida? Because as we know, there's a ongoing raging inferno down there that apparently uh, is burning all sorts of chemical shit in the sky in Florida. (laughs) It's weird how it's all happening under i just maybe i'm an idiot but do you see this it's all happening under biden this never happened under trump nobody would have ever attempted this now we're finding it out about ufos supposedly and this magical spy balloon operation an iranian drone intelligence operation that's been going on over our country what the fuck Actually, Daniel, we had a question from the audience earlier because um, yeah. I do keep track, y'all. Uh, uh, Def wanted to know, what is your what was your red pill moment? Oh, man. I mean, for me, that was the big moment when I noticed that I could not live without marijuana. And I was like, what is this? And I then, you know, did my research. And the research is very clear that it's just propaganda. And this is like, because listen, man. I would smoke marijuana, and I come from Brazil. Brazil is a very Catholic country, mm-hmm. and everybody there think is the devil's lettuce, you know. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there's actually, I just heard, sorry to interrupt, but there's a nun out there now saying that um, that that God's oil is cannabis oil. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no, there's, and there's uh, two nuns. It's two yes, nuns. Two nuns, yes. It's, and the other lady smokes it, and yeah. that's, uh, God told her, to smoke marijuana she smokes marijuana and she speaks to god mm-hmm. listen but there's a there's a nun in italy katerina something that she says that weed is the way to heaven absolutely yeah, a thousand percent do you know what there's more nuns than there are priests out there that oh, say yeah. that weed is the way to heaven mm-hmm. wow yes so whenever i figured this out and i was like uh, I got, you know, so I have problems like 
when I was powerless in some situations, you know, because, uh, you know, a boss was being a dick or, you know, I didn't have a choice and I have to, you know, either humiliate myself in a situation to, you know, have something in my life or whatever. These moments would make me really mad. And one moment that came to me in the experience when I smoked was like, dude, I used to feel guilty about this because I swear to God, the first time I smoked marijuana and I got high, the first thought I had was like, oh my God, I hope God forgives me that I'm high. I literally thought that, you know, because, you know, culture. And afterwards, I was like, no, this is okay. The only thing that I was feeling guilty about is the information, the program that they run into me right and then you're gonna figure this out by yourself you learn that it's all propaganda made since the 20s because marijuana was like a cool thing and then all of a sudden they did this with the pharmaceuticals and they start spreading stories about people doing crazy shit with marijuana that is not uh you know zero 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 percent true and that was like okay society lied to you and it's true right so I was like, let me believe in me. I'm going to do my own thing. And I need to just, you know, stop watching the news, stop watching this. I'm going to be informed, but I'm not going to be disinformed, you know, misinformed, misinformed. Yeah. Because I, I want to read books and serious stuff instead of, you know, just raging about something irrationally. Ah. And that was it. <laughs> We sometimes tell a story the last time we were in Jamaica a couple of years ago, which is our favorite place. We're going back this summer. I'm very excited. Oh, wow. um, but we, uh, on our way to the airport at the very end of our trip, our van driver, and it was just the four of us in the in the van, and it's a two-hour trip from Los Rios to Montego Bay, where the airport is. And when I tell you that we we would have been completely happy for him to turn the van around, go all the way back to the resort, and then turn around and go all the way back to the airport again. So <laughs> spend four more hours talking to this man. Like he was the most oh, awake, not mm -hmm. woke man I've ever met in my entire life. We've ever met. Um, and he he hadn't watched, he hadn't turned on television in 30 years. Um, like he hadn't watched the news at all. He, he was entirely self-educated, read every book he could put his hands on from the time he could read, um, you know, like read the encyclopedia from the, you know, like when he was like 10. Um, and, uh, he was seriously the, probably the most knowledgeable man about what the world really is. He, don't you have a feeling when you speak to people like yes. this that that they don't have like the weight of the world over yes. there, right? Yes. They're just free. They're just in the moment. They do their own thing, and you want to be like, I want to do that. Wow. Yeah, he was he was fantastic, and like he so, he taught us, that, and it was the first time I'd learned this, having grown up in you know in America, and we were educated in excellent public schools, top of the country, but still public schools, indoctrination camps. Um, but he, he taught us that uh, you know, capitalism and communism were designed by these same people to divide the world just like they do with, with race and everything else. You know, you said before earlier at the, almost the very beginning that we're all divided. Um, we're only divided because we let them divide us. We're not, none of us are that different. You know, we, the people here, people working in, in restaurants and, and people, you know, in the army and, and people Pause for one second. doing whatever. I have one question for you. Um, okay. When, when did you come to this country? 
So I came here in 2014. How old were you? So I was 24, 24 years old. So you spoke Portuguese, Brazilian or or, Brazilian. All right. So um, English is a second language for you then, correct? Yeah, it is. Yes, that's true. That is, um, I'm sure that's part of your PTSD as well, because I can see, because I, I, first, I know the culture. When you, mm-hmm. one of the things I loved about the military, and I swear to God, I still love it, about it, is I got to go to so many different places, and I got to in, just live in the culture, just walk around. I didn't have any restrictions. I couldn't be stopped. I, I could walk around, go to these, just learn how the people lived. When you, you eat bread, I learned more about the people than anything else in the whole world and you had a taste of the country you'll never forget because bread i don't know what it is i remember the bread in every country i've ever been in but you're very prideful people um and one of your probably kickers is that english is a second language and Mm -hmm. being prideful and um you probably tried to assimilate as fast as you could when you got here. Um, learned English, I'm going to guess, both on the street and somewhere in a, a, a classroom because you have, I can see, I can hear that you have an educated tone of it. So Thank you. that being said, I, I could see that kind of being like a, a kick for you, like people not understanding what you're saying and somebody saying, what'd you say? And being like disrespectful about it. That would piss me the fuck off too. Um, I would, and that's, and I'm, I'm just trying to say everybody's PTSD is everything. It, it's not about one thing. It's not about combat folks. It's a trigger. You, yeah. You can get pissed off. It's when you get to the point where you're so angry you can like drive your nails into your skin and actually draw blood from yourself i understand his anger i i deal with it worse in a car if you actually rode with me and saw how i treated people on the road you would be like whoa you're a fucking dick dude yes because yeah. 90% of the motoring public does not know how to fucking drive. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, then you just because I mean if you're like on the road and you had PTSD and you have and you have PTSD, right? And somebody is just being slow and man, I know because I would drive cursing all the time until my wife was like, hey. I'm not gonna, you know, jump in in the car with you anymore if you keep doing that shit. I was like, because I mean, I was doing too much. I was doing too much. I was like, fuck you. Because I mean, my answer would be like, listen, it's energy. I need to get it out. And she was like, I don't, she was like, I'm not sure about this. I think you're just being an ass. <laughs> because I, I would be frustrated, right? The thing, why anger happens, anger happens when uh, expectation doesn't meet reality. So you have expectation and it's not meeting reality. Anger uh, arises, right? You have expectation that you're going to get to your job in 10 minutes. You're going to drive that really fast because it's a short, you know, road that you're going to go. But some, uh, somebody is biking, you know, they're cyclists and then you have to go slowly. Your like response in the car is going to be literally to murder those people. It's not even that, that you want to just curse them, but what the fuck is wrong? 
because uh, the PTSD brain, it's, you know, so the brain, it takes a picture of everything, right? So if you have, especially with anger, that's why some people, like, if you're mad at somebody, they might stay on your mind forever, man. That's what's so fucked up. Because your brain literally snaps a picture of a person and then associate an emotion with that person. So it can be anger or whatever. That's why 10 years later, you see your coach from high school that used to bully you in your mind. You know, because he represents uh, uh, that feeling for you. You know, the feeling of frustration or whatever. Clay Clark. So, yes, I know. No, yes. Actually, that's, that's, that's really funny that you said it. So our, our teenager, our 16-year-old, right, who's grown a foot in a year. Like, he literally grew an inch a month for almost two years. It's impossible to keep them in pants. Thank God we live in a warm climate. Um, and, you know, in, in middle school, all these girls hated him. They couldn't stand him because that's how it is in middle school, right? And now all of a sudden, you know, he's in high school and and now, like, he's getting to be popular and, and now all these girls like him. And uh, he's like, yeah, fuck them, you know? <laughs> and he's allowed to cuss because we cuss. We're not hypocrites. He's just not allowed to cuss in theology class. I don't want to get another yeah. email about it because <laughs> he goes to a Catholic school. Not but, with uh, the nuns, man. <laughs> well, the monks, but yes. Yeah, the monks. Um, but, uh, and I, I said to him, I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what your dad used to do. I said, this is happening to you a lot earlier than it happened to your dad because when we were growing up, he was this, this scrawny kid. Like he was the same height he is now, um, but his shoulders were half the size and his head was the same size, but he had a lot more hair. So he kind of looked like bobblehead Mick. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we used to call him that actually. It's kind of funny. And then he went to the army and, you know, he bulked out huge and his shoulders grew. And uh, all of a sudden he was hot and he came <laughs> home from basic and all these girls were like, Ooh, you know, um, and uh so anyway, I, I, what I told our son, because then he was really interested, well, what did dad do to them? I said, well, he, let's just say he gave them what he what they wanted until they they did not want it anymore. Um, yeah. It was always accidental. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, I didn't say it was control. Uh, but uh, I didn't say it wasn't targeted. I just said it was accidental. <laughs> you know, but. You're right about that, you know, the, the association thing. And, and that's honestly, I think that the other thing and, and being Catholic these days is uh, I'm assuming you're Catholic. No, but, no. Uh, I grew up. You grew up Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is a hard rock Catholic. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. Same here. Yes. Except <laughs> we understand that the, the Pope is an the antichrist devil. and, and, you know, the Vatican is the pit of hell and whatnot. Um, the church is good. The, the problem is the Vatican. Yeah, there's an institution, there's politics, there's like just, you know, dirty. But I think what so many people miss, because I say this, I say this a lot, that you are, there are three parts to you, your mind, your body, and your soul. And you are only as strong as your weakest part. So it's great to heal your mind from the PTSD. And it's great to heal your body. I, I'm with you, Daniel. I was almost 200 pounds at the beginning of the pandemic. And mm. I, I, but I'd already been smoking weed for a long time. So I didn't go through the pain of losing all the weight and the, you know, and I was doing, I was doing insanity that workout at home. And then I was running and, you know, all this. And I dropped uh, initially 50 pounds in, in 
three months and, and I kept it off. And then I started growing our food and, um, you know, we changed our whole lifestyle and we actually got healthy. Um, Mm. and, but we made a whole life change, but I still wasn't entirely whole until I found my faith until I found my grace until God found me. Cause I'd been running away from him for a long time. Um, and I didn't even realize it and I didn't find him through the church cause God's not in most churches. Sorry to say, um, you know, I found him inside. I, I found him through psychedelics or he found me when I was able to open myself up in a way that wasn't possible before. And I think what's so that, that missing link that ability to find peace, to find grace is in God. And just right. too many people have given it up. Right. They, they don't I mean, listen anymore. Yeah, there's no real connection anymore, right? There's just mm-hmm. the thing that is like, you need to be out there um, showing that you care, but inside, you know, you're not doing anything to connect yourself to that show that you do, right? So you post you post on social media that you go to church. That's why, like for me, I would say uh, I'm an agnostic. That's what I would really consider myself because I'm interested in learning about you know everything, but I believe deeply that uh, it's more important my um, relationship with the uh, with what with source, God's work. The source you know, that connects us all. Yeah, like, you know, I'm not finding the word right now, but so what I find most is with God work, right? You go to nature and then you go into nature and you appreciate because I think if you go to nature and you commune with the power that is there, I think that's God, you know, for me, because it it feels, you know, it fits back to you. You know, there is a loop. There is you and there is that force and that force comes to you and you go to it. And I think that's it. If you, when I go to churches, what I feel is mostly like people watching each other, but they playing as if they are acting in, in the name of somebody, you know, higher than them. But actually they're, they're like, you know, if you see their actions, well, I think it's nice for you to have ideas and, you know, how know how to explain them. But if you action, you know, if you don't preach, if you don't, uh, how they say if you don't practice what you what preach, you preach. Mm-hmm. yeah if you don't practice what you preach i mean i think there's something missing right the missing link yeah i think if you connect guys it's right here that force is inside of us every time and every day and it just takes connection it just takes you freeing your own mind from all the things you have to go through and then once you align yourself with this force that is here you're going to find uh, this thing manifesting itself outwards, you know, and everything else is going to open up to you to a new reality where it's going to fulfill all of your previous experience, you know, because one thing that we misunderstand is energy is not, is never wasted, you know, even though we went through hardcore shit in the past. And what I hate about it is like some people define themselves by it. Ah, I was, you know, uh, something bad to me happened when I was a kid and that's why I had this and I cannot, you know, I can't do this anymore. Like, no, that was, yeah, that was you in the past and you can transform that into something else, you know, more stronger, more, you know, make you bigger than what you were. It's actually 
energy is never wasted is only transformed and that's the key to ptsd that's the key to you know past wounds to trauma Shit, that's to the key to life that's the key that's the key daniel do you have a dog i have so i have three cats mm-hmm. and my wife my wife she has a dog a poodle okay name lily yes but i do have i'm like my one of my ambitions soon to be is to have a german shepherd mm. Oof. Wow, they're, they're, they're amazing they're great but, and i i asked that specifically because that's the other the the other thing that we didn't talk about in this in in healing from ptsd is having an animal oh yeah a cat or a dog is honestly that's that's they another, do wonders they do wonders key part it's so essential um when we were moving last year um our, all our animals had died and we had a belgian malinois and we'd gotten him from the marines like a, a skinny german shepherd basically but a belgian malinois is like they're amazing dogs and uh we had him for he was my dog i love that dog and he had his own therapy dog, um, who is a big lab boxer mix. Anyway, mm-hmm. he died from a brain tumor. Um, and then uh, our cat died because he was 18 and he had kidney failure. And then our dog died. And we had a stray cat that showed up, but she was the only animal in the house. And we decided that we obviously couldn't get an, another animal until we moved into the new house because you can't sell a house with a puppy. So I think that like six month period when we had no animals in the house was probably one of the worst times that we went to went through with your PTSD. And it was before he was smoking. Um, but just that, that lack of having an animal and it was as hard for me as it was for him because I, I need my animals. Like I, I have to have that. And we always joke that I steal all the dogs, which is, is true. Um, although Annie is your dog no, she now. Is. She is your dog. So, which we knew was going to happen. So when we moved here, we got, I, I got an Irish setter puppy. Um, and then three months later, we got an Irish wolfhound puppy. And mm. the setter was mine and the wolfhound was his. And then they decided that the wolfhound decided that I was his and the setter decided that she, you know, he was hers. That's just what happens sometimes. Uh-huh. But you have to have that animal. You have to have that connection because the the unconditional love that animals give. And when you have an animal in your house and in your life, you learn how to talk to them. And people don't even realize that they're talking to their animals, right? But your your do- your cat will tell you, you know, that it's hungry or, you know, it'll smack you on the nose at five o'clock in the morning because it's awake and it wants to play. Um, or, you know, it'll snuggle up with you when you're feeling sad or depressed and it'll purr because it knows that you're having some emotional issue. Cats are great for that. They actually absorb negative emotions they're purrs they're doctors feeling a healing frequency um i say cats are aliens um and and dogs dogs too dogs are easier to talk to but uh they're more in tune cats have a better ability to to shield their their minds as it were yeah i'm I'm very glad that we share the same opinion about cat because uh, literally my cat he uh through my worst times man he would make myself at home Mm-hmm. He, he, he would like it's uh, unconditional love and mm-hmm. it fulfills that part you know because listen um it's not that at least a cat cares about you but you know you have like a, a, a sentient being 
there yes. looks at you with everything he has. Yep. You know, he just looks at you with his whole heart and he believes in you. And then sometimes that's enough. Sometimes yep. that's all you need, man. That's all you need. You know, somebody, just a sentient being to look you in the eye with everything he has makes a fucking difference. Wow. Yeah. So before I forget about it, what is the name of your book so we can put it out there so everybody can go look for your book? Thank you, man. Uh, so my book, guys, is called Who Would Have Thought? A Server with PTSD Story. Uh, who Would Have Thought is the name is because the story, it takes a wild twist. You know, you're never going to guess what's going to happen next. And he started working in a buffet restaurant where he meets, you know, the characters that is going to change his life. And then he goes to a nightclub where he gets mixed up with the toxic crowd and he gets in touch with alcohol. So in this part of the novel, I'll show you the difference between alcohol and marijuana and what they do on your body and affect your mind. But true fun storytelling because he becomes the server in, a, in the hottest bar in, bar in town and he starts you know, seeing hot people all over the place. And I show you how America behaves in the time of social media and with everything. Like I use the management of the restaurant to show the president of the time how he would act and, you know, play with the moods of the restaurant itself. Anyway, he goes on. He becomes an alcoholic. Some wild shit happened that you're only going to know when you read the book. So who would have thought? It's because who would have thought? You know, who? 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 The universe? I don't know maybe a higher power because the end of the book he shows you that his purpose it was to figure something out and he shows you what it is in the last page of the book that's like my you know uh, i hope nobody ever figured this out until they get to the last page because i want to you know i want to i want to bring honestly man i want to make books really uh you know a good thing today like I want to make this book a passion for you to carry under your arm and, you know, bring it to nature or bring it to your job because you're going through a hard time and you want to reread some, uh, you know, some passage of the book that is going to get you in a lighter mood. That's why I wrote it, because there's a lot of interactions between customer and server that the customer is being an asshole and he has a perfect response to, to the customer, you know, so you're going to be like, whoa. And I also believe, guys, that storytelling, uh, it's what makes the mind reach the next level you know you, you can read the philosophic book you know you can go to philosophy i i went to philosophy i read you know but i like it only influences you deeply if it's true fun storytelling you know because it, that gets your defense down and then you read it and you find characters that you can relate to and you know, I, sh I I hope everybody enjoyed this book. So the book is coming out next Tuesday now, uh, February 21. It's going to be out on Amazon for everybody to, you know, be able to enjoy it. So you can order on paperback or on Kindle. If you buy Kindle, so Tuesday 21, we're going to run a promotion. If you buy the paperback, you're going to have the Kindle immediately on your phone for free. And also the Kindle version will be, I think, at 99 cents, you know, for three to six hours. Excellent. So everybody can come together. 
Yes, man. I appreciate you guys doing this podcast with me. It was very nice. You guys are fucking savages, man. <laughs> no, this was, hey, this was no, fantastic. We enjoy so, it. Yeah. We appreciate you coming by, sir. And, and really, it's such a really important topic. And um, I, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this because I, I think it's something that's that's really neglected. Mm. It's, it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that I've dealt with, that I've been dealing with and will be dealing with. So, and, It's uh, good to talk about it. Yes. Yeah. Listen, I hope you guys read my book when it comes out. And oh, I want to know your opinion. I want to know what you thought. Because so Frank, he comes back in the end of the book to show a better path to the narrator. Because at the, when the narrator meets Frank, he's in a certain position in life where he's learning things. And in the end, Frank comes back to show him a different way of connecting his life. And it makes a huge difference. And then he becomes, you know, deeply awakened. And he goes ahead in his Free. life. You know? Free. Yeah. Freedom. Exactly. Freedom, man. Exactly. That's what it is. It's yeah. Getting your ass around and your mind will follow. Get your ass out of the way and your mind will follow. Yeah, exactly. True words, sir. Oh, yes. All, right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. And um, y'all, I'm going to put the, I put the link to the Amazon pre-order in the Substack that went out today. So check it out at patriotpartypod.substack.com. Um, I'll put it out again. And this when, pot, I, when, when we I do put the this, when I put the stuff out, out for, this, for the show, yeah, and then uh, and and we'll put it out on social media as well. As well, yeah. yes. Please send me the link, guys. I want to share this. This was amazing. Most definitely, not a problem, All right. sir. All right, all right, y'all have so a, much. appreciate it, sir. All have right. a great night. Have a great one. Thank you, everybody. Have a nice night, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. So, right. uh, folks, so go get his book. Get the Kindle version, however you listen to your books. Uh, I hope it comes out in Audible. It probably will be out in Audible. Well, Audible is different, actually. And I've been... Really? Mm-hmm, because you have to... Uh, you get you got to get someone to to read it, to record it. Uh, so um, that's, uh, that's a whole different thing. In fact, I was looking into potentially... Remember, I was telling you I was looking into uh, doing Audible readings, reading books for Audible. So... Anyway, and then when you do that, you, as the person reading as the narrator of the book, you have the option between either a percentage of the profits or a flat rate for doing the reading. So I guess it would depend on the quality of the book. So <laughs> I guess I'd have to read the book first, huh? Yeah. So uh, Griff, it's not out yet. It's in, it's out next Tuesday. You can order the paperback next Tuesday and get it on Kindle immediately then, um, or you can, uh, you know, just order the Kindle, um, or just, you know, if you get it later down the road, just order the paperback. So I, stuff. I, it sounds like it's one of those books, uh, that you're going to probably want to have the paperback cause you I might want to highlight so. pages or yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's going to be one of those books. I don't know yet. I haven't yeah. read it. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I read, I read two chapters and they weren't consecutive chapters. It was like one at the beginning and one kind of in the middle. Um, and again, I'm, the writing isn't, it's not real flowery. It's not, you know, it's not real. Like it's real. It's real. It's descriptive. It's, it's conversation. It's real. It's what happens so, in real life. Folks. Exactly. Um, why you, we hope you tune into it, us because we're not in, fake. We're draws not. in super quick. Like I was like, actually I got to, cause he sent it to me an email, the two chapters and I got to the end and I was like, and it said view entire message at the bottom. And I was like, Oh sweet. There's more. And I like clicked on, on the view entire message. And I was like, there's only one more paragraph. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, it was that good that I was excited to read more, more of it. So, um, all right. Anyway. So well, yeah, so it's good stuff. There you go. Yeah. Uh, featured sponsor. 
So our, I actually, I have very exciting news for y'all about the featured sponsor. We uh, are now affiliated with Cardio Miracle. Okay. We are now officially affiliated with Cardio, Cardio Miracle and we have an affiliate website. It is defiantmiracle.com. So defiantmiracle.com, go to there, um, get your Cardio Miracle. When you sign up for the, like the automatic shipment, you save 15%. So defiantmiracle.com is our affiliate link for Cardio Miracle. Uh, this stuff will seriously change your life. So, I mean, it it's made, again, I've had my friend Heather on it now for a week and she's already seeing a, a marked difference. So I'm very excited to be affiliated with them. You guys know that because they, they offered right off the bat when we had um, Robert on um, a while back and he was telling us about the Cardio Miracle and they offered it to me then, you know, like, hey, you want to, you know, you want to be an affiliate? And I was like, uh, no, not yet. I want to try it first. I want to use it first. I'm not ever going to sponsor something that we haven't tried and used for, you know, at least 30 days. So uh, we, I ordered it that night. Um, I think we've been on it for yeah. two months now, yeah, three two, months, yeah. two months now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm seeing a difference. I feel great. So yeah. Um, I'm very excited that we're affiliated with Cardio Miracle now. So uh, defiantmiracle.com. There you go. Go get your Cardio Miracle. And uh, yeah, Mark, Lindsay, I, I see your shit going on in the chat. Knock it off, please. It's about love. Okay. Don't give each other PTSD. No shit. Relax. Calm down. It's okay. Smoke a joint. I love you both. Okay. Smoke a joint. Mark, understand. I talk to Lindsay almost every single day. Lindsay, understand? I actually just talked to Mark last night. I appreciate the both of you for who you are, and I wish you would appreciate each other for who each other is. All right. So anyway. Anyway. We do have to go, though. We do. Uh, Josh, coming up next, Red Pill Project. Mm -hmm. uh, go over there, check them out. Um, we will be back tomorrow night, 545 for Liana's Lounge. 6 p.m. the show will start. And... Uh, Liana, hopefully we'll be back on tomorrow morning too. She was on this morning. Yeah. Got to listen to a bunch of the show. I actually called in today. I know you did. Called in because I, I was, was like, listening. that was weird. I was digging in the garden and I was listening. That video was really, there's mm -hmm. something sketch. I don't know what's going over there, uh, going on over there at Project Veritas. But I, I think it it's enough to make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. James, so, James opened the door a little too wide. And, we need um, to keep an eye, yeah. eye on what's going on over there at Project Veritas. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you know any of these financial supporters to Project Veritas, tell them to take their money and run because yeah. James isn't there. It's not the same place. I'm telling you with this guy running it, this, this CNN well, dude. And there's some more that, that came out about that too. And we'll get into it tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a long show, like to the point where, um, I mean, I'm probably gonna make dinner early and we're going to end up dropping the pill stream because we have so much shit in folders. It's not even funny. Um, I mean, I'm going to weed through some of it and just, you know, play the, the essential stuff, but we're going to try and bust through a lot of stuff tomorrow. So, uh, but I, I actually have a clip of, you know, the, the, how this whole started, the whole project Veritas thing. They said that, uh, James was disrespectful to a donor. Yeah. I've got a clip of that donor saying, yeah, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. So, so it goes all the way back to the beginning of bullshit. 
Yeah. So um, we need so to be. Yeah, so we're going to dig into that tomorrow. New stuff coming out about Ohio. That's ridiculous. Um, that place is, again, like we've been telling you. It's going to be a toxic wasteland uh, yeah, here soon. Toxic, it's going to be like yeah, it's, it, the it breeding really, ground for all the crazy shit that we see going on in this seriously. world. More UFO stuff, Not more crazy, crazy people, political theater. I, I got all kinds of foldies over there. So good stuff. <laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm glad that we took a break from all the crazy politics tonight and talked about and 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 had an excellent conversation with Daniel because I think it was really worthwhile. Yeah, and Bongino's not gonna have any content for tomorrow. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> oh, he really hates it when we have guest shows too. Leo, I hope you're still here. I know you said you hate it when we have guest shows, but um, this one, this one, I think was was a good one. So, anyway, he said that early on. Leo, Leo uh, isn't not Leo. Hmm. Uh, okay. It was Leo and uh, hmm. I forgot who who did I have to talk to about a cow? Wicked gnarly. Wicked gnarly. That's who I got to talk to. I don't know if he's in here. I haven't seen him. Well, our our teenager, you know, his his friend in Texas apparently has um, a prom or something coming up. Um, although, okay, this is really weird. There, her school prom is a silent prom where all the kids wear headphones so they can talk to each other. I'm like, wait, what are you talking? What are you kidding? Have, have any of you ever heard of this? A silent prom where all the kids wear headphones? He was like, yeah, she's not going to that one. Um, but apparently there's another like a, a youth prom. Like she's her youth group. She's really big in her church or whatnot. What the fuck I, is a silent prom? I don't know. The whole point of prom is to like be yelling over the music and dancing and having fun. Like. Just no. Anywho, but it's, uh, I want to say it's like the first week in April or like, yeah, I think it's the first week in April. Um, so he wants to go to Texas um, to, to go to prom. So if we can organize like picking up a cow, I could totally make that worthwhile. So if anyone knows where I can get a cow, not a live cow, a dead cow, preferably already slaughtered and, um, you know, wrapped up and you know i'll bring the coolers and someone put the meat in there and i'll give you money and i will drive a cow back across country <laughs> so anyone in texas that uh knows where i can get a, a a good cow a whole cow um at a reasonable price let me know i would appreciate it because uh we're running really low in the freezers right now we already went through that whole cow we bought the last time the dogs ate a lot and uh yeah they're so, little monster machines. If I can knock out, you know, two birds with one stone, you know, get the kid to Texas to finally meet this girl that he's been drooling over for months now. I and don't get me wrong. I mean, she's she's adorable. She's really sweet. I've talked to her multiple times. She's super cute. Um, and he's like, but the very first time he saw her, and you should know this feeling. The very first time he saw her, he was like, She's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm gonna marry that girl. And I was like, whoa, dude, calm down. You haven't even met her in person. You literally like talked to her online for five minutes and like, so, you know, like yeah, FaceTime. I, I, I met you in person. I know. I knew you. I, I Anyway, so um, who, who am I to come in, in between first, first love? Uh, totally. Look how it worked out for us. <laughs> it's for autism. Jaekwondo master is the cow guy in Texas. That's right. Yes. Okay. Jaekwondo master, I need a cow. Are you here, darling? 
I really hope you are. All right. Anyway, we got to go. Yeah, we got to get out of here. Coming up next. So, so tune into the Daily Dose up next on the Red Pill Project. And we will see you fuckers back here tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, share, subscribe. And uh, for the mic. And be Lynn. We will talk to you tomorrow night. Have a great night, fuckers. Thanks for watching. Fuck around and find out I love my country